Case number one one two three, journal entry of one Elias Rudolph, dated July twenty eighteen. Page eighty three. He's there. He's always there, watching, waiting, waiting for me to talk to, reach out to, tell someone, anyone, that he exists. That he's here, that I will give his monstrous existence a form, a tangible account, a name, anything. But I'm not sure what I need to do anymore, and I'm not sure what will help me anymore. I'm sure I cannot say it out loud, but I'm hoping this account, this note will somehow help i don't know if anyone will read this and i honestly cannot begin to care about somebody else all i can do is live on hope that it leaves me alone and hope that it lets me breathe a little more the chills and the cold the darkness and the pool of space around it is there. A corner or any space in plain sight and sometimes hidden. Hidden but always visible enough. Visible enough for me. And when I'm all alone, it's here and it's full, naked, unashamed flamboyant form. When I go in the kitchen, heat my food in the microwave. Through the corner of my eyes, I see his coat. As I open the door to my room, he's there. He's right there in front of me. Looking. All I do is look away, try to hide my fear and my racing heartbeat from the scarce and the sudden. He moves swiftly, sits there in the corner of my bed, looking, staring at me, read from my laptop. And as I turn and as I reach for my book, he helps me do it with a creaking voice like a static from a forgotten station he's always near me making his presence felt page number 52 in my walks to the parks as i stroll with my friends through the fields of my local grounds he's there always there even in the lonely cab drives it's not lonely i'm Never alone. 
he's always there in my morning runs and my bathing while I attend to my phone calls. He's always there. While I laugh at jokes or cry in the dark, he's always there looking and creaking, looking and just staring. Page number 31. I don't remember not having him around from the beginning of my memory. He's always been there. But I've never quite met his eye. Somehow, I've had the sense of almost a forbidden act of not ever talking to him or addressing him. I remember when my father told me something when I was three. In the backyard, as my sister built her castle, as he looked at her and her friends play in the pit, he looked at the tree in our yard. He looked at me with dread in his eyes. I remember how he fixed his eyes in mine, almost in efforts to burn the memory into my skull. I can almost still hear what he said. He told me of a darkness that he knows I know. He said he wants me to be strong and quiet. He placed his arms around my shoulders, fixing his eyes on me. He said, stay away from the shadows. Don't let them take you. Don't let them know you know. Protect the ones who show you. And as soon as the sentence ended, he almost changed instantly. His jolly self was here again. As he turned to help Missy with her castle as one of her sand buckets broke, the shadow of the tree was now intense for evermore, growing, 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 growing at the extent of come to know it as. Page number 11. My father disappeared from our lives when I was 10. Even mom doesn't know what happened or where he went. To this day, everyone says he's one of the million people classified as missing, but I know where he went. I know he, he went to save us or just someone because that was the kind of man he was. And I will never forget. Page 78 I've always known this shadow. And I feel so close to it. I can almost refer to it as him. I believe I've subconsciously began to do it. At this point, after... 20 years, I don't even need to see him, his coat, his dark hidden face, the corner of his shape, an ominous glow and a deep dark sense and I know he's there. Page 85, page number 85, I can feel him breathing down my neck, peering and looking as I write. 
reading, lying. He never does anything. He simply exists, observes. His eyes never miss a thing. I almost feel like I'm making him much more powerful by even acknowledging him, but I don't think this is news to him. I can feel him looking as my pen moves, and now I'm scared to stop, scared to see what will happen as soon as I close this journal. But maybe, just maybe, I'll look into those eyes. I'm tired now, tired of staying, tired of all this, I'm tired of how unfair life is. How someone has to go through so much just to breathe. While existing is a luxury, should it really be? It isn't fair. And you may call me a coward and tell me and write me off for giving up, but I'm not. In this moment, I'm letting my life to a different place. I'm done. I can't go alone anymore, I can't. I might just turn my head a bit and see him again. He's there. I know he is. I feel his cold absence of a presence. I see the shadows, I feel his breath. And maybe I'll let him show what he wants me to see. I'll stare into his bottomless eyes and let him take me wherever he points me to. <sighs> Mr. Rudolph was reported missing in early 2019 with circumstances standing eerily similar to that of his father. And much like him, this case too has gone cold. The journal was donated to the archives of the university by family in hopes for any leads to emerge, but no substantial connections have yet been formed. This account matches the sightings of a thing, referred to as the stranger in multiple literary recordings, beginning from the 1700s, but... Um, this one comes the closest to it as a manifestation much easily grounded to the mind. I firmly believe that not all statements hold weight and that this has taken a painstakingly long process for me to narrow down the accounts. But even then, some unexplained entities persist. I'm not sure what is more terrifying. May the souls of the wicked and innocent alike rest in peace.